going to be looking at uh, some Bible verses on the screen, and then we're going to also be looking at um, Romans chapter 8. So if you'd like to turn there uh, to Romans chapter 8. While you're turning there, I want to just encourage you, if you're able to come out tonight to Bible study, uh, we're going to finish uh, the study on eschatology, and tonight uh, we finish on the highest of all notes, which is a new heavens and a new earth. Um, the idea that we would be floating in heaven on clouds with harps um, would get old real fast for me, and, uh, and that's not the future. Uh, the future is uh, a new heavens and a new earth, resurrected bodies, all things new, no sin, uh, streams, rivers, uh, birds, trees, Eden, uh, forever and ever. And so it's a vision. It's a beautiful, beautiful vision. And I hope tonight to, we can capture some of that in our study of God's word tonight. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify you. We thank you for this opportunity we have for the next few minutes to just look at your word and to really think about you and reflect on what we know about you and to stir up our hearts to love you. Father, we just ask that you would reveal yourself to us. We know that you are so great and you have done so many great things and you have been so good to us. And we pray, Father, that you will lift us out of any lethargy that we have and any distractedness that we have and we pray, but I want to talk about doing that or thinking about that toward God. And I want to do this in a, in a, in a way that, that will help to actually stir us to love God. I, I'm not doing this by way of uh, sort of laying guilt on you. You should love God more than you love uh, hot dogs or you should love God. No, no. I, want to, I want to talk about this God that we love. And that's why I've entitled it, Why We Love God. Why We Love God. And I, I just want to... To, to, to remind us of this great God that we have and why we love him. So let's just talk about God. I'm going to talk about God this morning. It's all going to be about God and, and, and helping us to just be reminded of who he is. Let me begin by saying this. God is absolutely amazing. God is absolutely amazing. Like God is, think about the attributes of God. God is self-existent. That means that God doesn't need anything outside of himself to exist and to live. We are all not self-existent. We all have uh, been, we, we got life from somebody else and, and we were nurtured in that. But God is self-existent. Think of the sun. Think of the sun in, in the sky. The sun is, is, is this self-contained nuclear, thousands and millions of nuclear reactions going on, producing heat and producing light. Nobody, you don't plug the sun in, okay? Everything else that we have, we plug in. Our cell phones, our TVs, anything that's electric, we need to plug in or we need to charge. We need to, but the sun is self-existing. God is self-existing. God is, he, he, he doesn't, never needed to be created. He, he, he is life. He's self-existent life. <clears throat> and he's from everlasting, he's eternal. He's this eternal, self-existent being. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God, the Bible says. So God is just this, and he's immense. God is huge. 
He's absolutely immense. We look at the galaxies and we look at the universes and we use words like light years. And then we use words like millions of light years to try to get a distance. You know, the amount of time light travels at 186,000 miles a second for an entire year is a light year. But we need to start talking about millions of light years to just get a grasp of this universe. And God is much bigger and way above it. God is immense. And God is powerful. And God is holy. He's absolutely purely beautiful and holy and pristine and clean like new falling snow. And God is sovereign. He's in charge of all things and he runs all things after the, after the counsel of his will. And God is majestic and God is glorious. If you were to see God, you would be, you would be amazed. It would just draw out of you praise, just the stunning glory and majesty of this self-existent large, immense, all-powerful, yet holy, pure, righteous being. It would just draw out praise from you. It would just draw out adoration. You'd go, wow. When I, when I see, I, I, I was always, I've always been fascinated by pole vaulting. Tried it once, almost killed myself, but always fascinated by it. And, and you watch somebody pole vaulting, and, t and bending that pole and throwing themselves up, then throwing themselves off it and going over 20 feet and, and, and coming down. And you see that, you say, go, wow, wow. Or think of weightlifting. The Olympics are coming up and these, and I always like the little short weightlifter guys because honestly, they actually lift more than the big dudes do. The big dudes, they lift about twice their weight. These little guys get up there, 135 pounds, 125 pounds, and they lift three times their body weight. And it's just like, you watch them and you go, Wow. I also like art. And I watch how Rembrandt, with a brush and paint, can make light look the way he does or can paint the human features the way he does. And I just go, wow. You see, when we see amazing things, we go, wow. And just God, by who he is, causes praise and glory. And you know what it does for people? For being, for angels, and for those, it draws out love. Like, wow. And I was thinking about that this morning when I saw little Iva's picture, and I just saw this little baby all wrapped up, and I go, wow. And, and, it, and it drew out love. And that's what this God does. He draws out love just because he's so amazing. But, but we can go on. God is, God is good. I've, I've been thinking so much about this attribute of God over the last couple of years. God is good. His very nature, his very, we can't say DNA with God, but his very DNA, his very makeup, his very, this, this self-existent being is this infinite, infinite, non-ending flood, as it were, well of good. God is good. God is beautifully good. Think of creation. Think of what God created. Think of just one, just think of, you can't see it right now. We could if we were outside, because I see the sun. Think of blue sky. Blue sky. I was sitting there praising God this week, and I saw the blue sky, and it was just so beautiful. And I thought, you are so good. You are so beautifully good. You didn't have to make this blue sky. When you see the earth from space, and you see pictures of the earth from space, it's like this blue marble. And, and, and Mars is ugly in, in that sense, and Venus has this, this, this uh, sulfuric acid, acid covering of it. And, and Earth has this blue sky. And it's like, you are so good. You gave us this blue sky. 
But then he also gives us rain. And the rain softens the earth and, and moisturizes the earth. And, and then that brings forth green grass and green plants and green trees. And then there's a maple tree. And then there's oak trees. And then there's pine trees. And then there's birds on them. There's, there's nuthatches and there's woodpeckers and there's red-winged blackbirds and there's Baltimore Orioles. And it's like, you are so good. You're so beautifully good by what you create. And then there's this array of flowers that he creates and they come out and they're all these different colors. And he creates butterflies. And then he creates a blue whale, the largest mammal on earth. He creates northern lights, and then he creates an ocean depth. And you realize, you are amazingly beautiful, God. And what you make is so beautiful. And that draws out of us praise and even love. But then think of God's providence. God is generous. Think of God, and, and when you think of God, think of, think of immensity, think of glory, but think of infinite. Infinite means no boundaries, no endings, just keeps going and going and going. So all the attributes of God are infinite. And God is infinitely generous. He gives. He's just, he's just, gen here, here, here. You need more? Here, yeah, I got my wall here. I got a checkbook right here, here, here. That's what God, God is generous. He gives, he gives, he gives, he gives, he gives. He has a proneness to tend, to care, to, to such. I, I'm, I'm memorizing a, a song, Isaiah 46, 6. And, and it's about God taking care of you in old age. I don't know, someday I may need it. But anyway, um, but it, it's, at one point it says, I have created and I will carry. I have created and I will carry. I will tend. I tend. That's the way God is. He, he feels responsible even for his creation, but he loves his creation. So God gives us food and he gives us clothing. And he gives us rain and blessings and health and family. And God pours out strength upon us. And God gives us the grace that we need. God, God gives these. And he gives these things to everybody. Everybody. God gives them to his friends. And God gives them to his enemies. And God gives them to people who have no time of day for him. And God gives them to people who actively uh, oppose him. But God just, he keeps giving them health and keeps giving them blue sky, keeps giving them sunshine, keeps giving them family, keeps giving them all of these blessings because God is generous. And guess what, friends? He doesn't just do it to people. The Bible says that God does this to animals as well. God cares for the animals. He feeds the birds, the Bible says. There's a passage of scripture that says that when the deer gives birth in the woods, God is there attending that bird. God is there bringing forth that fawn. God loves the God loves creation. He loved in, in when Jonah went to Nineveh and, and, and that God said, and Jonah got mad at Nineveh, and, and, and God says, You need to have compassion on the there's all of these people and their cattle. God actually has compassion on their cattle as well. God loves his creation. He's just like that. That's who he is. So God is amazing, first point. Second point is this. God is relational. God is relational. God is a God who interacts with others. God is a God who hears and answers prayer. God is a God who's involved and engaged in our lives and attentive. God is like that. God's relational. And why is God relational? 
God is relational because God's very nature, his very essence is relational. In this self-existent eternal being, this self-generated eternal being that is life itself, there is one, God is one, there is one God, one God, and he exists in three persons. One in three, three persons in one divine being. And it's a mystery, but it's a beautiful mystery. And so John 1.1 says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now notice that verse. Notice the mystery here. The word not only is with God, the word is God. A being who is with, beside, beside, and the word means close beside, who is with and yet is the same being at the same time. That's the mystery of the Trinity. And so there is this idea of, of, of relationship within the Trinity, of inner relationship, interpersonal relationship, and that's why we're relational beings. That's why we seek out other people. We want to have conversation. We want to interact. We're those kinds of beings because we're created in the image of God. And the Bible speaks of this. One of, the, one of the things I want to focus on, the Bible speaks of this as the relationship between father and son. And so all family relationship, for instance, all of those relationships, they derive from that relationship. That God, God is father and son in terms of that relationship. Doesn't, he didn't get that from us. We get that from him. It all comes from this relationship of father and son. And the Bible makes it very clear that the father loves his son. And that this is a love that is, is amazing. Think about it. It's an infinite love within the Godhead by two divine persons who both are with and are one. And it's an infinite love. It's like a, a Jonathan Edwards called it something like a nuclear reaction. It's like this, this, this power force that just goes back and forth, and it's infinite. The father loves the son. He loves him. He says, this is my beloved son. He takes absolute delight in his son. He's well pleased with his son. And they have been loving each other in that sense. He has been loving his son for all time, for all of eternity. And I love God for this. Don't we love God for this? Just God loves his son. God is, God is so loving. He loves, he loves creation. He's, he's generous. We just, what's not to love with God? It's like, he's really lovable. And I don't, I don't want to belittle that word, but God is easy to love. This great and beautiful and holy and infinite, immense God, who's so loving and generous and giving and beautifully creates everything and then loves his son. He's just so easy to love. He's, he's such a great guy. And that's why we love him. That's why we love him. But the son also loves the father. He delights in his father. He loves being with his father. He loves, he loves that. And, it's, and again, it's an infinite love. And, and you have to realize something. God the father loving his son, he is loving an infinite divine being. And only God, who has an infinite intelligence, can grasp an infinite divine being. You're going to love Jesus for the rest of your life. You're going to love Jesus into eternity. And in your loving Jesus as the billions of billions of years roll in eternity, your love for Jesus and your knowledge of Jesus is going to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. But guess what? You'll never fully and completely grasp and understand Jesus. You know why? Because he's infinite and we will always be finite. But the Father instantly, 
loves, understands, and knows the infinite glory and majesty and beauty of his son, and the son infinitely, instantly knows the majesty and glory and beauty of the father, and that beauty draws out love, and so the son infinitely loves the father, an infinite, eternal love. The son loves the father, and they they do things together. I know that sounds weird, but they do things together. And one of the things that they did together was create. In John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In John 1, 3, it says this, all things were made through him, through the Word, through his Son. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. The Father and the Son together in that mystery of oneness and, three, and threeness, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as well made creation. But the Son was the unique avenue by which creation was made. And in Colossians 1.16, it says this, For by him, the Son, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him. Now look at the last two words. And for him, for him, the Father said, I'm going to create all things through you, and then I'm going to give it to you. The universe and all those trees and that blue sky and all of those fish and all of those flowers and all of those, the butterflies and the blue whales, I give them to you. I give them to you. They're for you. They're for your glory. They're yours to have, to enjoy, and they're for your glory. The devil said to Jesus once, Ah, look at all of the kingdoms of the world, and I will give them to you if you'll bow down and worship me. What a liar and what a usurper. And here the Bible says, No, no, no. The Father gave the Son all of those things. The true Father. And you see, dear ones, this is what God does. This is who God is. God the Father desires to, to bless the Son, desires to give to the Son. The Son follows, the, uh, uh, desires to, to, to obey the Father, to do the Father's will, and to please Him and to glorify Him. And there's this great, great love that goes on between the two of them. And this is one of the reasons why we should just love God. God is just so loving. He's just so good. He just draws out our love for Him. And that's why it's really easy to say, I love God. I, I love God. I really do. I love him. And that's why we love him. But it gets even more amazing than even this. You see, because the Bible says that God gave his son for our salvation. Of course, John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 4.10 says this, For in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation of our sins. Now think of it, dear friends. Think of it. If somebody gives you something... That gift becomes more and more highlighted by how valuable that thing is. If somebody gives you a dollar bill, gives you a cup of coffee, sweet, cool, nice, thanks. Somebody gives you a car, whoa. Somebody gives you their life savings, wow. 
what could God have given us that would be more valuable than giving his son? God gave us his son. Why? Because he loved us. God gave us his son. And he gave us something. He could, there couldn't be anything greater for God to give us than his son. There can't be any expression of love that God could make for us than giving us his son. And you see, dear friends, that's why this whole thing happened. That's why creation happened. That's why the universe is here. That's why the fall happened. That's why sin is here. So that God could show you the depth of his love by giving you his son. Giving you his son. Nothing can be greater to give than to give his son. There can be no expression of love that is deeper than that. Nothing can be harder to give than to give a son. It is the ultimate pain, the ultimate pain. And some, a few here in this room have experienced the ultimate pain of losing a child. Most of us have not. Most of us is still our greatest fear. And for those who have ultimately seen a child die, they have done that very unwillingly. And it's a pain that will never go away. And it was a traumatic shock for them. And their life has been changed by it because losing a child is like ripping your heart out of your chest. And God gave us his son. Now look in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. It says this, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. He did not spare his own son. He went against the, all of that parental feeling, all of that eternal, infinite love that he had for his son. He didn't spare his son from the, from the pain, didn't spare his son from the cross, didn't spare his son from rejection, didn't spare his son from the spit and the blood and the nails and the death. He didn't spare his son from the whip. He didn't spare his son from those things. As much as he wanted to with infinite love, he willingly gave up his son. And notice what it says. And he said, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Delivered him up for us all. See, this is the love of God. I love you so much, I'm going to give my son for your salvation. I'm, I want to be reconciled to you. Now, normally when there's a broken relationship, the person who caused the break, the person who caused the sin, the person who really screwed up is supposed to go to the innocent person and say, hey, I'm so sorry I screwed up. Please, can we be friends again? What can I do to make it right? And this has been turned on its head because God is infinitely amazing, infinitely great, infinitely full of love. And God says, listen, you sinned, you broke the relationship, you defied me, you could care less that I exist. I've been feeding you, clothing you, and do all these things, but you're going to go to hell unless I do something and to reconcile. And I want to be reconciled to you, so I will give you my son so that we can be reconciled. I will give you my son. I will give you my son. We need to take care of your sin problem. I will give you my son to pay for your sins. We need to take care of justice. I will give you my son that justice may be satisfied. You need to be turned away from the wrath because of your sin. I will give you my son to take that wrath. 
I will give my son. How giving this God is. How concerned for our well-being. How loving. How sacrificial God is. And when this sinks into the Christian, we say, I love him. I, I, I love this God. This is why we love him, dear friends. This is why we love him. In the oneness that is the Trinity, also, the Son gives himself. The Son gives himself. It just keeps amazing me. Like literally, I'm telling you, friends, literally, daily, it amazes me that the Son of God was executed so that I can go to heaven. I can't get past that thought. I, don't, I never want to get past that thought. The Son of God was executed. So a miserable wretch like me could go to heaven. And he did it because he loves me. <laughs> what could be more important than that in this whole world? And see, when the Bible says we're to love him with all of our heart, dear friends, the more I know about him, the easier that actually gets to be. You're talking about somebody who gave himself up as a ransom. If this building right now was surrounded by very wicked people, and they said, nobody's getting out until you pay a ransom. We just saw a ransom to, uh, this week in news where some hackers ransomed, held ransom, an oil pipeline, and we all freaked out. Could you imagine people? What do you want? How much? Can, can we take an offering? How much do you want? We don't want. We want a death. We want somebody to die. We want to take them out in that parking lot and shoot them in the head. That's what we want, and then you can go free. And Jesus would be the first one to say, take me. And we would say, wait a minute, you're the son of God. No, take me, I will go. The son of man came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus became the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus literally said, give me your sins and make them mine. I will come into a relationship with you so that we mutually own your sins. Think about a spouse. Think about somebody. When I married Jan, I just, I, I, I love her more now than I ever did. But when I married Jan, I was crazy, crazy flip-flop over in love with her. Still am. But when I married Jan, I got Jan as a wife. Ah, oh, what a wonderful thing that is. But I also got $4,000 in student debt. Okay? Now... In this day and age, I got a good deal, right? In this day and age, that was cheap. But back in 1979, that wasn't cheap, okay? And, uh, and so what I'm saying is, is that when I married Jan, I got her debt. Her debt became my debt. And that's what Jesus does for the likes of me and you. I will become one with you. I will become in union with you. And in doing that, I will take on your debt. And your debt is millions of sins. And each of those sins deserve punishment. And the punishment for those sins is death. So in order for me to have a relationship with you, I must take on that sin and that debt and make it my debt. 
And dear friends, that's what he did. Why? Because that's what he does. Why? Because he is loving. He's a good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. Give me your sin. Give me all of that ugliness, and I will take it to the cross, and I will die. He took on the wrath of the Father. He took on the wrath of the Father. That horrible wrath. The wrath of the Father, the hatred of the Father towards sin became directed toward his Son, whom he loved from all of eternity. And the Son took that on. It's horrible, by the way. That was horrible. When Gethsemane came and Jesus was, was, was forcing himself to put himself under that wrath, he fell upon the ground. He was sweating drops of blood. And he was saying, if there's any other possible way... Take this cup from me that I won't have to drink it. Nevertheless, I love you so much. Not what I will, but what you will. I will drink it if you say so. But it was horrible. Book of Revelation says that when Jesus comes back, the unbelievers are going to say, crush us, mountains, fall upon us. Man, earthquake, eat us up so that we don't have to face his wrath. And Jesus said, Give me that wrath so that it doesn't touch these whom I love. Why? Because he loves us. Dear friends, what is there not to love here in loving Jesus? Shouldn't be hard to love Jesus, should it? Think of it this way. He took our death sentence for us. Imagine you were walking down that long aisle to go be strapped down to be executed. And Jesus meets you halfway down that aisle and says, you step aside. I take over from here. And he walks in and is executed for you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. And that's why he said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And dear friends, guess what? This love is so great that God has for us. This love is so persistent. This love is so resilient. This love is so strong. This love is so steady that nothing will ever separate us from it. And that's what Paul is getting at. Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or certain? No, all of the circumstances that seem like they've separated us from the love of Christ can never separate us from the love of Christ. No matter what we go through, we will never be separated from the love of Christ, even if they kill us. Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Yet we conquer. Why? Because he loves us. Look at verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear ones, can't you say with me as I say? I love this God. I love this God. I love him. Can't we say this? I love this God. Think about it, dear friends. I love God. He means everything to me. That's what you mean when you say that. He means everything to me. He stirs my deepest heart commitment. I love God. After all that he has done for me, after all that he has been for me, 
after all of his patience, after all of his faithfulness, hasn't God been faithful? Hasn't God been patient with you? Uh, maybe not. Maybe you're a really, really good person, but God's been really patient with me. Really patient. Constantly patient. Hasn't God been faithful to us? God's steady, isn't he? Think about this, dear friends. God never wavers in his love for you. It's steady. Every hour of your life, God loves you. No matter how much you screw up, God loves you. He just patiently just keeps loving you. Every hour of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, for decades and decades and decades, God has been faithfully loving you. Why? Because God is love. I love him for that. I love him because he just keeps being so faithful and so patient and loving me. How about God's grace toward you? Don't you just, doesn't he just keep pouring it out on you all the time? He does on me. I see my sin. He opens up my heart to see my sin. The Holy Spirit says, let's look inside, Todd. Just see, the Holy Spirit shines, shines this flashlight in there. Let's look inside and see what's going on. And then I look in there and I go, <clears throat> all this ugliness, all this nastiness, all this meanness, all this selfishness. And you know what it does when the Holy Spirit does that to me? It sickens me. And you know what? I don't like myself. I don't extend any grace to myself. I'm sick of myself. And God sees it much more clearer than I do. And God loves me. Because God is love. He is this infinite, infinite, eternal, loving being. And he just keeps loving me. My sin doesn't cool his love for me. My sin doesn't cause him to love me any less. No, no, no. Once that waterfall, once that Niagara Fall of love gets set upon you, it never ends. It just keeps going and going and going. And dear ones, don't we love God because of this? Don't we love him? Isn't he such a special God? He is. Think about his strength. Think about his strength. I love, these, I love to see these, these big old strong guys, these, well, I guess young, big young strong guys, Picking up these little babies tenderly and holding them with all of their strength and all of their muscles, just holding them. And so you have the, all of this great strength, but that strength directed toward that little child, that strength directed toward him is a strength that's directed to protect and take, provide, and is gentle. It's never used for evil against them. And think about it, dear ones. God is infinitely powerful. God could take all the nuclear weapons in the world and then we could just detonate them in his hand and go, poof. God would say, that was kind of cool. A little tickled a little bit too. He's got this infinite strength, but his strength toward me, Christian, you can say, his strength toward me has been tender and good to protect me and to provide for me and to do me good. I feel safe by his strength not scared by it because God has loved me and given himself for me. I love God for that. I love God for that. We love God for that. 
God is tender. God is understanding. God is forgiving. Each hour, it's new and fresh. God's love for us is new and fresh. Each morning, we wake up. Oh, I feel terrible. Oh, is the sunshine? Oh, it's raining out. Oh, I gotta read. Oh, oh, I gotta go to work. Ah, and God's like, "Good morning. I love you. I'm gonna feed you. I'm gonna give you air. I'm gonna give you clothing. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna give you my son. I'm gonna remind you I love you. And when you sin, I'm gonna forgive you. And it's like fresh and new every single day, like a spring day. I love God for that." I love this God. This God is so loving. That's why we love God. And dear friends, our love for God is not just a feeling. It is a feeling. It's a deep feeling. It's a deep feeling. But it's more than that. It's more than a feeling. Our love for God is more than a feeling. It's a loyal love. What's a loyal love? A loyal love is the love that, say, a parent has for a child or a grandparent has for a grandchild that says, if you're going to get to them, you're going to have to go through me first. And I'm going to kill you so that you don't hurt them. And if it comes down to it, you're going to have to kill me to get to them. I think of my grandchildren right now. You're going to have to kill me to get to them. And it's going to be a fight. I ain't going to go down easy. Why? Because I love them. See, when we say we love God, that becomes a loyal love. I'll do anything for him. I'll defend his name. Don't you badmouth him. And if you're going to ask for my allegiance, no, no. He gets my allegiance. If you're going to ask me to compromise something, no, 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 no. I love him too much. He's first. He's first. You're going to cancel me? Fine. Cancel away. I love him. I love him. I'm for him. I'm on his side. I'm loyal to him. Our love for God is to be loyal. He certainly has been loyal to us, hasn't he? Our love becomes a serving love, a serving love. True love is serving. And Jesus serves his father. And we learn from that. True love is others-oriented and service-oriented. And if we love God, we serve him. I love my wife. Every day my wife says, is there anything I can do for you today? Anything you need? Anything I can do for you? She says that every single day to me. And it thrills my heart every time she says it. And that's serving love. And that's what it means that we love God. God, is there anything I can do for you today? Any way I can further your kingdom? Anything, anything, anything you want from me? Because I love you. And I'm just so blown away by how loving you are and how great you are. And our love for God is sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Love sacrifices. If you ever see a parent or a spouse or a friend who's, and you find them in a hospital room, they're in a hospital room. They're not the sick ones. Their loved one is the sick one in the bed. They're in a hospital room. And they're sleeping in a chair all night. And they're walking those, those halls. And they're eating vendor food. And it's beautiful out. And they, they were supposed to go golfing that day. And you say to them, hey, man, it's beautiful out. You should get golfing. No, no. No, I belong here. As long as she's in there, I'm here. As long as he's suffering, I'm here. True love is sacrificial. You see, this is why the Bible says that love is the fulfillment of the law. If you love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, you don't have to have people running around you with a list of do's and don'ts. Because everything gets filtered through this love. It says, whatever he wants from me, I will do. 
Whatever he commands, I will, I will keep. Whatever glorifies him, I'm in. Whatever furthers his kingdom, I'm in. Here I am. I'm all about you because you were all about me. Dear ones, I don't have any application today but to say this. I just want to stir your heart to seek after this God. I want to stir your heart to experience this God. I want to stir your heart to come to know this God. And once you know him, you will love him. As you know him more, you will love him more. So seek after him. Tomorrow morning, when you have your devotion, wake up and say, hey, you know, that sermon yesterday, God, help me to know you and love you more. I I just want to love you more. I just want to know you better. Help me so I can love you more. And for those of you who are here today and you don't know any of this, you don't know Christ, you you don't know the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, my desire for you today was that you would get hungry to know him, that you would start to say, man, what he's describing, I know nothing of this. And and my heart's desire is that all of a sudden that, that cell phone in your hand seemed a little bit less important And that car that you want to buy seems a little less important to you. And that vacation that you live for seems a little bit less important to you. Because I want to tell you something. If you right now were in heaven and you were watching the angels and our loved ones who've gone before us worshiping and adoring and delighting in God, the way we do the sun in the spring, just get out there and just sit. They're just delighting in God and they're worshiping him and they're loving him and they're experiencing his love and they're giving it back to him. And you went up to him and said, hey, 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 angel, tug on his wing a little bit. Hey, angel, look at my new smartphone that I got. Or, hey, angel, I got a BMW. You want to go for a ride? Hey, angel, I got a bunch of money. Hey, angel. You know what the angel will do to you? He would say, at least swat you away like a fly. Get out of here with that silly stuff. Those trinkets. Look at God. Look at, look at him. Look at him. Dear ones, I just hope that that would happen in your life. That the things of this world, unbeliever who is here, the things of this world, the things that are mesmerizing you, the things that are attracting you, the things that the celebrities say you need, the things that you're desiring and hungry, they're trinkets. They're nothing compared to knowing this true and living God who sent his son to be executed so that I could have a relationship with him. Oh, I hope that you would come to have the greatest joy that life can give. And that's the joy of loving God and experiencing his love. I'm going to close today by reading you this prayer, unbeliever, as a prayer to you, as a blessing over you. And it's the Ephesians 3 passage that Chris read. But just listen. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There he is. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. What do you need the strength for? that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints 
what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. May God grant you this. May God grant us all this. Let's pray together. Oh, dear Lord, what a wonderful thing it is that you have come to our lives to give us you. And that you have given us your son because your love. And you've saved us. Oh, Father, we love you. We do. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you. We wish we could love you more. But we do love you. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for the happiness and fulfillment and peace. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you're so rich in love. And you just keep pouring it on us. Thank you that heaven will not be complete for you without us there. You want all your children with you. Thank you that you love us so much that we would be called children of God. Thank you, Jesus. You love us so much that you died for us. We love you, Father. I pray that every person in this room would come to know and experience your great love for your glory and honor. We pray this in Jesus' precious name.